we're live back at Chateau de Garoni, where it all began again. Sounds like a great marketing slogan. Somebody should use that phrase, where it all begins again. Again. <laughs> Actually, I think Vince used it already for WrestleMania 20 oh, at, yeah. uh, at the Garden. Yeah. Mm. Where it all begins again. Again. Finally, the Vince McMahon impression can come out. On. Welcome, everybody, to episode six. Uh, we don't really have a fancy title. Sean will throw something up. We'll figure episode, something out. When the episode goes live, it's great to be joining our great friends of the show one more time. So it's your old buddy, Jeff Garoni, with my partner in pod. Sean Beecham. There you go. Yeah. We're back. Here we are. We're back. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I have a little bit of a sniffle today. That's all right. So I'm going to try to mitigate that for this podcast. That's all right. Uh, I would like to maybe get through one order of business. Go ahead. Before we jump into whatever the hell we're going to jump into. Sure. Uh, That is... You guys, the listeners, can now actively support the show and become true great friends of the show. There's a link in the description of this episode and all the previous episodes that came before it that will take you right to the listener contribution page where you can set up your your contributions to the show and help support us because we do this for free. I've always wanted to become public television. <laughs> I know. Brought to you by listeners like you. And a great wow, well, we haven't gotten grants from anybody. So <laughs> yeah. we definitely if, We're not grant funded. <laughs> no. God no. Uh we wouldn't be doing it from my apartment living room if we were. So we're so glad to uh have great friends of the show out there like all of you. Some of you have reached out to us through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and our own personal uh, Facebook and Twitter pages to tell us that you're listening, that you like the show, you like Sean and I together. And I'll, I'll tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate all of you who have given Sean and myself uh, positive feedback. Heck, even the negative feedback. We just want to thank you for listening. And if you'd like to contribute, we certainly won't say no. But yeah, the show is free. Sure. The show is free. And by God, it's always going to be free. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see us charging anything for this. Uh, we wouldn't make any <laughs> money based on our listener pool at this point. No, I don't think so. But it does take a little bit of work to, to put this stuff together. Do I sound slow today or is it me? You do. What is going on? Do I, like, I don't know. Are you talking slower because of the no, echo? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just, for a minute, it sounded like I was having a stroke. Are you having a stroke? No, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> smell toast. I think I'm fine. I mean, it's fine being a relative term. I mean, I can, I know how to call 911. Good. Well, keep that on standby. You never know. How much you can do for a stroke, really? No. No, but you have to act fast. That's what they say, yeah. right? Fast. That's the that's the acronym? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I think Sean and I will do our usual thing, and then we're going to save some time. We're going to read some listener email at the end of yeah. our show. 
because we do have a few emails Good. that I Great. think we should talk about. We will. Uh, in the meantime, when was the last time that we? When was the last time that we met? Uh, Before episode five would have been episode four at the beginning of July. That's the last time we were here. Yes, July fourth weekend. It's been a while. It's been a while. Please don't. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thank God. I think the first thing I think we should say is uh, we lost a legend at the end of this week. A true legend. Yeah. And that would be Mr. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Deliverance, Smokey and the Bandit, Cannonball Run, um, The Longest Yard, both the original and the remake. Um, You know, uh, just a titan, uh, a true legend, Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Sean and I both love Kevin Smith movies where Burt Reynolds is uh, referenced often. Uh, I also, growing up, loved Cannonball Run, so... You know, uh, rest in peace to Bert, uh, our respects to his family, a great actor and, and I mean, a legend. You don't throw the word re- legend around, but Burt Reynolds to me is a legend. Oh, I forgot Boogie yeah. Nights. My apologies. Your thoughts on Burt Reynolds? Uh, Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. I mean, he was what, 80 he was something? 82. 82. Yeah, that's it's weird. It's yeah. expected, but still not, I know. you know, I want to, I want to get back to Burt Reynolds in a second because I did read something last night, but before I do, I just want to also recognize that, uh, the music industry mm. is, how do I say this respectfully? Don't be respectful. Just uh, say what's on your mind. This is wanted by none, baby. The industry needs to evolve in a lot of ways, I think. Mm. But I think most importantly, from a management perspective, uh, in terms of the artists that they work with and that they promote, they need to wake the fuck up and start actively uh, acknowledging these people's problems. Yeah, I I think you're right. I was thinking about this because of Mac Miller yep. who overdosed yep. recent the other day and he was only 26. So like when we talk about Burt Reynolds, he's 82. It I died of it. likely natural, natural causes. causes. Yeah. Aretha Franklin was in her seventies and ill. And it, right. So those things, again, surprising, but unexpected or unexpected, not surprising. Yeah. But something like this with Mac Miller happens way too much. It seems like the, in the last year or two, this has become, I hate to say becoming a thing, because it probably always, always has been. been a thing. And the, the industry tends to enable this sort of behavior. They don't seem to be doing much about it. No, they don't, because Cause they want to make the artist happy. Right. right? So th- Mac Miller, Chris Cornell committed suicide, likely due to a, a pill addiction yeah. and, and some serious emotional and mental problems prince yeah that was likely a, a pill overdose it, it just seems like there's a lot going on in that industry yeah lesser known uh kyle pavone as we came as romans mm-hmm. a metal band uh he was only 26 the kid the kid from lincoln park Chester? he was what yeah he was young too so yeah i mean these and when you listen to these people's music they're telling you they 
they're not hiding it. And no, they're Mac, telling you. Mac Miller is never. I don't listen. I'm not gonna lie Neither and say I. I listen to Mac Miller. Never heard of him, unfortunately. Um, but he has never shied away from his addictions, and it it comes through in his music. And I was listening to because uh, my wife likes Mac Miller, and she threw on a couple of songs for me from his latest album, and she didn't like the latest album, mostly because it was tonally different and it's what i would describe as like his blue period album like it's sad like it's just depressing and it when you have artists that are that honest people i say this all the time and i think people write what they know right so whether it's louis ck writing about masturbation (laughs) or uh you know kendrick lamar writing about the established racism in our country or fucking Claude Monod painting a field of goddamn poppy flowers. Like people create what they know. Art doesn't imitate life. It captures it. And I think people tend to have a double standard when it comes to especially celebrities and musical artists because they want to hold them to a larger than life standard, but at the same time demand authenticity and uh they're just people they're just people who i mean the people around him mac miller anthony bourdain uh, a bunch of whoever else the list goes on and on right these people have people around them that see what's happening and to some extent know about it right whether it's uh whether they play it off in, in front of their friends or uh their friends don't think anything of it at the time but the warning signs in, are there in retrospect, and sometimes they're not subtle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mental illness is tough. You know, I think a lot of us in our lives have been touched either ourselves or we know people who are struggling with it or some version of it. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get people to open up about it because of the stigma that still exists around it. Yeah. It's hard, you know, it's hard to wake up and say to somebody, Hey, I'm depressed. Help me. Yeah. That's hard. That's a hard friggin' thing to say to someone, you know, I don't know Mac Miller's family and friend situation, but Mm -hmm. my sense is it's possible people knew and it's just, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize people I don't know because I've been around it and been through it. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get people the help they need to get people to admit there's a problem. So, you know, my heart goes out to those people. It's tough. We as a country have elected to not do anything about it. Really? Yeah. We've left it Kinda, to law yeah. enforcement to regulate mental health. Which, doesn't, Which is a horrible mistake. Law horrible. enforcement doesn't treat they anything. They enforce. Yeah. So they correct in yeah. that they punish you. Right. But right? that's... Which is the problem a, because you want to treat these yeah. things, not punish them. Right. But we don't talk about that in this country. Yeah. We don't talk about treatment, about anything anymore. We yeah. don't talk about drug treatment enough. And now we've gone political, and I'm going to end it real fast. But Yeah, I think so. We don't talk about... But it's part of it. I can't... You can't 
talk about this stuff and not talk about this piece too. As a country, if we're really concerned about mental illness, then we need to have a discussion that doesn't include law enforcement. We need to have a discussion that includes medical professionals and how we can do more to help people, not put them in jail, not put them on more drugs, but help them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really try to help people. We don't have that discussion. We don't. And it, collectively, that's on us as a society, I feel like. Let's move off of politics, though. I agree. Back to Burt Reynolds. I don't know, did you want to so, go back to Burt Reynolds? Yeah, I do want to go back to Burt Reynolds because, uh, like you, I said. Uh, want to go back to Burt Reynolds? That's right. Who, uh, <laughs> who's Andre the Giant? No, really. Who? Uh, it's one of my favorite Norm MacDonald skits. Oh, God. I loved it. It's so good. I loved it. I loved it. I uh, was here the whole time. <laughs> I do love it. I hope our great friends of the show were. know. Yes, uh, it was. You know, Celebrity Jeopardy, <laughs> which was one of the all-time Will Ferrell era Saturday Night Live sketches with Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek. In the beginning stages of it, you know, we all talk about Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery, but underrated was Norm MacDonald doing Burt Reynolds. Which, yeah. it was a really mediocre Burt Reynolds impression. <laughs> it, was, but it wasn't great, but it was hilarious. It was just so funny. I love Norm MacDonald. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Saturday Night Live in episode three, but I love Norm MacDonald. To me, Norm was one of the more underrated Saturday Night Live performers. He was a great Weekend Update host. To this day, whenever I hear Frank Stallone, I laugh because that was Norm's thing was always he'd always try to work Frank Stallone in like they did a thing about like people today released their hundred most popular celebrities. Number 100 was blah, blah, blah. Number one. Yep. You guessed it. Frank Stallone. And I don't know why it makes me laugh. It just does. I love Norm. Norm's great. He was on. If you have watched the show, the middle, he was oh, he yeah. was on the middle. He was the uh, their uncle. <laughs> he was the the father the father's brother was norm Macdonald, and he was just great mike i'm dating a girl and by dating i mean i got her pregnant like he was just he <laughs> was just Jesus. so great i love norm Macdonald. Uh, he makes me laugh uh, i love his delivery and just just everything he was great on conan he and conan had a, a great relationship i love norm Macdonald. but burt He's reynolds so funny so yeah burt reynolds um so Last night I read that Burt Reynolds, we know, is supposed to be in Quentin Tarantino's upcoming movie. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. About yeah. the Manson murder, Manson Sharon Tate, Tate, Tate yep. Roman Polanski, yeah. So he was supposed to be in that movie and he didn't yet film his scenes. Well, I guess that's a, all due respect to Burt. That's a good thing because they can recast the role. <laughs> I guess so, but... That's unfortunate. It is. You know, he would have been interesting. That would have been great. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you know anything about his character in that movie? No. Do you? I do. Uh, so he was supposed to play a, like an eighty-year-old blind guy <laughs> who owned a ranch somewhere in and around the area of Los Angeles. Okay. And he would rent it out to movie studios for like Western movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Charles Manson convinces Burt Reynolds' character. To rent out his ranch oh. in the months preceding the Sharon Tate murders, him and his yeah. him and his clan sh- uh, shack up at Burt Reynolds' place. Oh, okay, interesting. That was his role in the in the in the movie. So they're gonna have to redo that. 
And Tarantino is that. notably persnickety about. He's pretty particular. When I would he think, gets right? somebody in mind, that's it. Yeah, he's gonna have to rethink his vision for that character. Because you know probably. he, the dialogue, everything. Yeah, when he did Kill Bill, he talked about who's the guy from Kung Fu who played Bill, David Carradine. David, yep, David Carradine. Yep. David Carradine was in his mind Bill, but he talked to other actors, and he got actually, believe it or not, he got pretty far down the road with Warren Beatty. Really? Yeah, he wanted Warren Beatty at one point to be Bill. Well, if the idea is he's part Kung Fu master, part pimp, who better to be pimp than Warren Beatty? That works. Who has had more women in Hollywood than Warren Beatty? (laughs) Don't say Jack Nicholson because he's second because he and Beatty were buddies. (laughs) So he got pretty far down the road with Warren Beatty. But every time he talked to Warren Beatty about the character, he would talk about David Carradine. Mm. And finally, supposedly, Warren Beatty said to him, so why don't you just fucking get David Carradine? And that they're off and running. So I can only imagine what somebody is going to be sitting with Quentin and him being like, well, you know, Burt Reynolds. And you're like, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you fill those shoes. <laughs> those hypothetical Burt Reynolds mustache shoes. Especially in Tarantino's mind, where he gets very one track and it seems like he can't go right. off that track. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. One of the great mustaches of all time. My sense is they'll push that off until... They, you know what I mean? Like, they'll just keep pushing that off until... Because mm. they can shoot the movie however they want. They don't... Yeah. They don't necessarily have to shoot the beginning to the end, and most movies don't most because movies of don't. scheduling and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So they could, if they need to, they can push the Burt Reynolds piece far enough down the road that they could find somebody else. Who do you think... Who would you cast? I have no idea. Yeah. yeah me neither. I have no earthly idea. I don't know how you... Warren Beatty? Warren Beatty. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It got me thinking... Jack Nicholson? No, he doesn't act anymore. Well, he can't. I think he has... I think Jack's ill. Yeah. Does he have dementia, maybe? Some sort of dementia. Yeah, Yeah. which is... Which is heartbreaking. I love Jack. Oh, hell yeah. I miss Jack Nicholson. Like, I was thinking about this the other day when we were talking in the car the other day about recasting a legendary Hollywood film. I just remember, just for a minute, my mind wandering. I just went, man, I miss Jack. I miss Jack. Yeah, I miss Jack too. And my my wife has never seen uh, The Shining. Oh man! Um, and that is like, that's prime Nicholson. She's never seen. Uh, How about Cuckoo's Nest? She, no, she's oh. never, she hasn't seen the Batman. Okay. Uh, Terms of Endearment, which I I enjoyed. No, oh, his Batman's excellent. Um, his Joker. No, I don't think she's very familiar with Nicholson. Chinatown. She knows. Like, she's Departed? seen The Departed. That's okay. probably her exposure to Nicholson. That's prime Jack, which is. Excellent, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I mean, uh, we talk about this all the time. It's like one of my favorite movies. Oh, the of Departed's all time. excellent, and everybody's great in it. And Jack, you know, Jack's Jack. I mean, he's <laughs> Jack is Jack. That's a, that's another thing. You know, like legend. Like Nicholson's a legend. Like if you think of the the acting career that Jack has had, that's that's yeah. as good a career. That's a great career. I don't even want to talk about when Nicholson goes because that's oh, just... Oh, even talk about my favorite Nicholson movie. Broken. My favorite Nicholson performance, which is A Few Good Men. Colonel Jessup in that's, A Few Good Men. That's one of the all-time movies. He's amazing. Movies. All-time movies. He's incredible. He's demanding and commanding and an asshole and funny all in one <laughs> scene. With Tom Cruise. And this is another... I'll get into my Tom Cruise rant. He does not get enough credit for how many great performances he's had in movies where he gets overshadowed by somebody else. Cruz. Mm. 
he's great in Rain Man. And I, I'm just going to say that's, this straight yeah, that's out. True. He's great in Rain Man. I understand Dustin Hoffman. He's doing the thing. I get it. Tom Cruise is great in Rain Man. He really is. It's undeniable. It, it really is undeniable. You, a few... His range in Rain Man from where he starts in that movie to where he ends is a, a great role. And if you look at him in A Few Good Men, like name an actor in 1992 who you could reasonably say, I need to put him in a courtroom scene to go toe-to-toe with Jack Nicholson and make it believable. Right. That that guy could actually get Nicholson at the end. The list of people in 92 who could do that is very small. And Cruz is 100% on that list. And that's a hundred one of the main reasons I'm sure they cast him, other than, you know, he's Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> is that yeah. you need somebody who can go toe-to-toe with Jack and make it believable and not get swallowed whole. And Cruz was 100% that guy. Right. 100%. And I, Cruz is on the brain this summer because I saw Mission Impossible fall up. I'm a huge fan of Mission Impossible, the film series. I, I've seen a few of the TV series, but... I only got interested in it really with the movies because I was mm-hmm. too young for the TV show. He's great in those films. And I think Hollywood, I think those films have borne me out. I think people like him in those movies, hence why they keep making them. People keep yeah. showing up for Ethan Hunt. Yeah, even when Tom Cruise is at his craziest. They show those, up for Ethan Hunt. Those movies sell tickets. Because they're ticket sellers. They they should be. And this most recent was a phenomenal film from start to finish. It's one of the best action movies I've ever seen by far. And I feel bad for the next, uh, clearly they'll do a seven. They just will. I feel bad for whoever has to jump in there and direct it because Macquarie, what he did with fallout and the previous with rogue nation, he made two dynamite action movies back to back with a huge Hollywood star who got injured in the middle of the sixth film. And still decided to come back and do stupid, crazy things on a broken ankle. He just doesn't get enough credit. Like, people are going to look at that and go, he's insane. Okay, but that's a guy committed to the film. Clearly, yeah. Tom Cruise is nothing if not committed. He's he's insane. I'll be the... And everybody around him will tell you. He's insane. I mean, he learned to fly a helicopter for this movie simply because he wanted to do a helicopter stunt. Fair enough. Okay, but he does 90% of those stunts himself. It's him yeah. hanging off the building in Kuwait. It's him on the mountain in Arizona. It's him doing that. Him doing that. He's nuts. But it makes the movie. You just want to go, what is he going to do this time? <laughs> yeah. What insane brazen stunt is he going to do this time? And what's great about this most recent film, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet. The crazy stunt is in the third act. <laughs> After everything that happens in the first like two whatever hours of the film... When you get to the third act, you go, ah, and you take a breath and you go, but wait a minute, the crazy stunt hasn't happened yet. Mm. And the crazy stunt is the climax of the movie. That, to me, was genius. Is that one of those, uh, is that how they handled it? They sort of left you hanging with the crazy, like waiting for it? Or did they sort of tease it? Like, oh, oh no. That, oh, no, maybe no. that was the crazy stunt? No. Oh, that was the crazy stunt. Well, oh, it, wait. No, that was definitely the crazy stunt. The great thing about that movie is so much shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Like Jimmy Fallon actually described the movie to Cruz and I thought was a very interesting way, which is like, mm. so there's a car chase and then a foot chase and then a motorcycle chase after the foot chase. Yeah. And then we go in the water. Like he's not making fun of it, folks. That's what it is. There's a car chase and then there's a foot chase to another car chase that has a motorcycle and then they jump off buildings and then they jump through window. Like, 
it doesn't stop from mm-hmm. the time the movie starts to the time the movie ends. It doesn't stop. It is just propelled forward action beat after action beat after <laughs> action beat till when you get to the third act you go oh we could take a minute and you go no we can't because there's still <laughs> all the shit that's gonna Bye-bye. happen it is truly a well-constructed action movie and i'll say this if avengers hadn't happened this summer mm-hmm. mission impossible would have been the best movie i saw all summer 100 percent. wow okay Fair. And by the way, this summer for movies of what I've seen, this has been one of the best movie summers I can remember. I've liked every movie I've seen. That's true. There's I really of, have liked I every seen movie. A single I've seen. damn one of them, but there's been a lot of good movies. That Avengers was phenomenal. Jurassic World was great. The Incredibles two was excellent. Deadpool. I didn't like Deadpool as much as I liked the first one. Solo was better than I thought it would be. It wasn't the greatest movie of all time, but it was a fun little ride. And then Mission Impossible and Ant-Man the Wasp. It, it's been a great movie summer for me. And of course, it kicked off with Black Panther yeah, in February. I mean, Black Panther in February so. was uh, an incredible film. So, so yeah, it's been a good year for movies. And I don't... Th- it's really hard to quarrel. And I mean, Last Jedi, it go all the way back to 2017. Last Jedi, yeah. Blade Runner... 2049 Kingsman Golden Circle Thor Ragnarok like it's been it's been a good like 18 month run at the movies for me you know what movie's coming out soon that I I am excited for no what White Boy Rick yeah White Boy Rick looks real interesting <laughs> that looks so good uh, I'm looking forward to White Boy Rick I'm looking forward to Creed 2 oh yes just to see what they do uh, that was not intended to rhyme. I apologize. And then the <laughs> Freddie Mercury movie. Is that Bohemian Rhapsody? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, the Freddie yeah, Mercury movie with Romy Malek. Uh, those three movies I'm really, really excited for. That kid looks like he crushed it. You know what has entered as my fourth I'm looking forward to? And I was not before like two months ago. A Star is Born. I was just going to say A Star is Born. Holy I, crap. So I love Lady Gaga and I'm not ashamed to admit it. No, same here. Like I'll be the first. To she you. is a talented, beautiful, smart, independent, savvy woman, and uh, she's incredible. And again, um, authentic with her music. Yeah, and she's incredible. And I love Bradley Cooper. Phenomenal I, actor. I just like Bradley Cooper a uh, lot. Is this? Did he direct this movie? He wrote it. He wrote it. He okay. produced it. He directed and he uh, starred. And I think he's gonna. Uh, he's gonna nail it. Yeah, I mean Brad, Bradley is just way. a he's a he's an excellent actor and a good dude. I mean, I love Silver Linings Playbook. I love that movie. Mm. I, I that movie from start to finish is great. His female co-star, of course, was the incredible Jennifer Lawrence. So right. Jennifer Lawrence play and Robert De Niro was a dad. Fair that enough. whole there is not a bad actor in that movie either. Like Say what you want about David or Russell, and it's all there on the internet for you. You know, George Clooney wanted to punch him and actors hating to work with him. Silver Linings Playbook is an excellent movie. Mm. It really is. It's a, a wonderful, wonderful movie. It's got sad beats. It's got happy beats. It's tough to watch at times. He's, but Bradley in that is excellent. And so's J-Law. So's De Niro. So's the mom. Like everybody's good in that movie. But, uh, you know, Hangover. Cooper's great in The Hangover. Yeah, absolutely. He's incredible in that movie. And, you know, I mean, he was the serious actor in that group. Galifianakis was the stand-up comedian, and Helms was on The Office. And the other guy was a national treasure, Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Bartha. 
and Cooper is probably going to be and oh and they found like a comedic genius in Kim Jong in Kim Jong. Oh yeah. Um, Dr. Ken, who's I love as well. Um, that first Hangover movie is phenomenal. That was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in a movie theater. I did not want that movie to end. At I the really same didn't. time, I didn't want a second or a third movie. I wanted a second movie. I was fine I with was, the idea of a two. I would have been totally fine with a one-off comedy masterpiece. I was fine with two. I I I understood once that movie did the business it did, they're going to they're make a second. They're going to make movie. a second. Yeah, of course. Um and I was also all for, all for the three of them getting pay raises as well. They should. Fair. 100%. That's fair. The third one, yeah, it stunk. I mean, there's nothing you can say about it. But uh, the <laughs> yeah. first one was in the theater was great. I loved seeing that movie. It was so funny. I still enjoy that first movie. If it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah. Fair but enough. But he was in Wedding Cra- like Bradley Cooper was in Wedding Crashers. I never would have thought the dude in Wedding Crashers would write, star, and produce this drama that may or may not do well at Oscar night. I don't know. We're still months out from the Oscar, but they're talking about Lady Gaga, for one. Could you imagine Lady Gaga winning a Best Actress Oscar? Whew. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, honestly, geez. yeah. My favorite... Um, she's Again, she's incredible. I can't say enough about her. No, I agree. And my favorite pre-production uh, story, I guess, from this movie is that when she auditioned for... Bradley Cooper, she you know she's Lady Gaga. She came in all made oh, up. Oh, I and heard whatnot. this. St- I love this yeah, story. And you know, he first thing he says is take it off, and yep. he wipes off her fucking makeup. Yep. That's brilliant. He's uh, he's just no, a, he's got he's it, just man. a genuine guy. You yeah, know what I mean? He's, like, he's got it, man. That's he's a good. That's dude. legitimate. And as a Patriots fan, I would like to thank Lady Gaga for the very long halftime during <laughs> Super Bowl Fifty One to allow the troops to regroup and the greatest comeback in Super Bowl. <laughs> So you're you're attributing the Patriots victory to Lady Gaga. Didn't hurt that it was a long halftime. I mean, it was a good halftime. It was. She's phenomenal. She's incredible. She really is. My wife saw her in concert. She was at Fenway last year. She said it was great. Yeah, I can imagine that being a good show. Yeah. Had she did she she's won uh, Grammys, right? Gaga? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. So if if she wins an Oscar, then she's halfway to the EGOT. Uh the Emmy Grammy Oscar Tony. She's halfway there. Dude, she could win a Tony. I have no doubt about this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what I'm saying to you, Broadway, is put Lady Gaga in a musical. I want her to get the EGOT. I'm not kidding. This is a thing. I want to know how we can get her an Emmy and how we can get her an Oscar and a Tony. (laughs) I'm all for it. We're going to make this happen. I'm all for it. And I hope Bradley Cooper gets nominated for 100 things, too. God forbid the Best Picture of the Year nominee should be a movie that people are going to see. Yeah. How revolutionary would that be? I know, right? Oh my God, people actually saw the movie? Whoa. (laughs) Gaga has won six Grammys. Great. Three Brit Awards, a Golden Globe, 13 MTV Music Video Awards, Uh and several Guinness World Records. Good for her. We need to, if she gets the Oscar. Several world records. I know. (laughs) If she gets the Oscar, we need to immediately mobilize the great friends of the show here at Wanted by None, get her on Broadway into a Tony winning musical, and get her an Emmy. Yeah. I want her to get an EGOT. I'm not joking. I'm serious about this. She deserves that. 100%. Yeah. And I, I, I hope Bradley gets... He, I forget who he lost to for Silver Linings. He was the best actor that year. I'm sorry. He just was. In my opinion. I'm I, I pretty sure... I, I can't remember who it was. I might, uh, oh, it might have been Daniel Day-Lewis as Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Okay. But if we were going to give it to somebody other than Daniel Day-Lewis, God forbid, (laughs) 
it, I think it really should have been him. He was great in Silver Linings. Here's what I think, and I say this respectfully about Daniel Day-Lewis, who's a great actor. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis could do Abraham Lincoln. He could not do a Silver Linings playbook. Agreed. Bradley Cooper, however, can do Silver Linings playbook. He could scratch out a Lincoln. Yeah, absolutely. And that, to me, is a difference. I love Daniel Day-Lewis, and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail about this, but like, <laughs> no. I just don't... He's one lane to me, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, he's that's, one that's, lane. That's fair. Yeah, I look at somebody like Brad Cooper, like Clooney, like uh, you know, like like Pacino or De Niro in their day, like Downey now. Like when I when I Tom Cruise in his day when Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise, they could do a bunch of different things. And when I when I think in Daniel Day Lewis, it's a period piece drama, right? Where he's doing an accent or a weird affectation. And yeah, he's a serious go. dramatic actor. Yeah, but that's it. He's disi- he's a disciplined drama. But actor. in a very microcosm, he absolutely he can't do. He's not in The Hangover. No, but I mean, he's not. <laughs> Bradley Cooper is. No, but let's take Pacino out of Heat. Is Daniel Day Lewis, Vincent Hanna in Heat? No. Is he De Niro's character in Heat? No. No. I don't think so. Is he? Like I said, there's no way he's doing Silver Linings Playbook. None. Zero. Not 20 years ago, not now. Is he Michael Clayton? Because Clooney lost to Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood. In what I think is Clooney's best role, which is Michael Clayton. He can't do Michael Clayton. He can't do The Descendants, the Clooney movie where he was in Hawaii, and pull that off. He can't do that. Could Clooney scratch out an Abraham Lincoln? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like it, but maybe. I just, again, and it's all, it's all like, I saw There Will Be Blood. I knew instantly when I saw it, Daniel Day-Lewis was going to win the Oscar. I knew yeah. it. Well, I just said, yeah. okay, I knew it. But, and I saw Lincoln. I thought Lincoln was great and he was great in it. But I, I'm just telling you, when I saw Silver Linings Playbook, I thought, man, Bradley Cooper really should win the Oscar here. Didn't Daniel Day-Lewis quote unquote retire? He's done, yeah. So, all right, you don't have to worry about it then. No. Bradley Cooper's got this. It becomes the, and I'm going to get <laughs> hate about this too. It's the Meryl Streep thing. Okay. Of like. Well, so you got Meryl. <laughs> no, it's just, I look, I'm sorry. Nobody's that good all the time. Fair. Sorry. Yeah, that's That's fair. Sorry. No one has to be really. And I think she gets nominated a lot because of who she is. That's possible. And that's an opinion. Like, I saw the Iron Lady. It stunk. She stunk. Sorry. Truth. She was great in Devil Wears Prada. Hurtful. Okay. Truthful. Devil Wears Prada is great. I loved her. It was great. It was, yeah, great. Yeah, great. She stunk in the Iron Lady. She got nominated for Oscar. Why? Because she's Meryl Streep. (laughs) That's the kind of shit in Hollywood that bothers me. Mm. It just does. That's fair. You can't say she stinks. And you can't say anything. You People are going to jump all over you. And I'm sh- and if anybody's yeah. listening and gives a shit, they'll jump on me too. I don't care. She gets nominated for things because of her name. That's fine. Just don't expect. I'm just not going to fall all over myself. <laughs> Is she the best actress of all time? Probably, but like, yeah, maybe. so. Her movies don't particularly speak to me. I, I well, it, it's a personal thing. I like actresses. No, you're right. You don't have to get everything you make. Doesn't have to get nominated. No. I, Sometimes and, it shouldn't. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Um, and I and by the way, I like female actors, female actresses. There's many that I do like. I talk about Jennifer Lawrence incessantly to the point where you have told me to shut up. <laughs> I like Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I like uh, Kate Winslet, the Kates. The Kates. I like Amy Adams. Okay. I like Brie Larson. I can't wait to see Captain Marvel. That should be good. Mm-hmm. I like the girl in Creed. Mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson. She's great in Creed. She's great in Thor Ragnarok as Valkyrie. I like the girl who does uh, Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy, Karen Gillan. Also because I like an Irish accent. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for the Irish accent. I think a lot of people are. It's a great accent. It's a great country. It's a good accent. It's a great country. Great people. Great friends of the show, Ireland. Ireland. Great Top of the morning to I think I just offended everyone. Maybe. Yeah. Quite possibly. It's my show. I can offend who I want. <laughs> Sorry, it's our show. But I can still offend You who can I still want. offend whoever you want. Fucking right, I can. Uh, you know what I was thinking about yesterday? After we. Recast the Godfather. We recast the Godfather. Which we'll never. We are not putting this on tape. No, I gotta. I gotta throw something. Please at you. don't. Because we were thinking about Fredo. Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't? So a couple of names came to mind after we departed yesterday. All right. Now, if we're gonna do it, then we have to do it. So okay. If we're setting the scene, set the scene, if you will. What I said to Sean was, "This will never happen. No one will nope. ever remake the Godfather. Nope. But if nope. they did, we had talked about some casting of some roles." Okay. Yes. So I think immediately one turns to the main character in Godfather 1, which is the elder Corleone, Vito Corleone, who in Godfather 1 was played by Marlon Brando. Yeah. In Godfather 2, as his younger self, is played by Robert De Niro. Yeah. Who, by the way, auditioned for Sonny. Mm. They didn't cast him because they, they just thought he was too lethal. There was not enough warmth. The way Coppola described it, it's like Sonny would have been a serial killer. Like he was just really intense and just maybe a skosh too intense because Khan's intense, but just yeah, back it off. Back it off 20%. So who do you cast as Vito Corleone? Well, my partner in pod here said, what about Robert De Niro? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. And I guess you could say. That's a, that's the, probably the toughest role, right? Because how do you fill those shoes? You can't. So, Which is why they'll never do this. So I said, well, he played the younger Corleone in two. Yeah. So why not finish it out in the remake by playing him as about his proper age? Because in Godfather 1, Marlon Brando was 47-ish. And Vito Corleone is supposed to be in his 60s. I think De Niro now is in his like 70s. So let's pretend we start this movie two years from now. De Niro is about the age you would want Vito Corleone to be. Great. He might be a skosh old, but it doesn't matter. Because he's, he's De Niro. Yeah, plus Hollywood. The studio is not going to say no to De Niro. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sean and Sorry, I go to Paramount <laughs> and pitch a Godfather remake. First thing they say is no. They're not going to say no. To, <laughs> let's pretend they actually take these meetings. <laughs> They're not going to say no to De Niro as Vito Corleone. They won't. I feel like I've got the foolproof bullet as Sonny Corleone, which is Leonardo DiCaprio. That's 100% great casting. All DiCaprio has to say is yes, and the studio is fine with me. The now, problem, now we're running. The problem is Michael. Yeah. So I think people might know this or not. Godfather 1 was Al Pacino's first movie. At that point, all Al had done was stage work in New York. 
So if you were outside of the theater community in New York, you had no idea who Al Pacino was. None. Yeah, fair. Okay. He's a baby in that movie. Yeah, he's really young and really green in terms of movie making. Yeah. So, and it became a legendary role. And Pacino is now himself a legend. Yeah. Who had a great career. And early in his life had one of the best movie runs in the history of the film, which is to do one and two Godfather. Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon is one of my favorite movies. So, yeah, touch that, somebody. (laughs) I dare you. (laughs) So, you want to now recast Michael Corleone. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. My sense is you have to find somebody you've never heard of before. I think so. Not unlike what they did with Al. People knew who James Caan was, who was Sonny. Brando was the actor of his generation. And people knew who Robert Duvall was. Yeah. They didn't know Pacino, who was Michael, and then John Cazale, who was Fredo. Mm-hmm. So those of us in the those of us who are great friends of the show in Massachusetts know John Cazale's from Revere. And John Cazale had one of the great acting careers of all time. One and two Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. Yeah. And then unfortunately he got sick. Lung cancer, I think. Yes. Some Funny. Sort of, some sort of cancer. He was dating and was seriously involved with Meryl Streep. So it all comes back to Meryl Streep. That I did not know. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> okay. took very good care of him. She loved him. And oh, that's... his death really affected. It affected Pacino and everybody who knew him, but certainly her. That's fucking sad. So now, and you have to, to me, Michael and Fredo are package deals. Because if we're going to... In our, in our pretend universe that Sean and I have created where we remake The Godfather 1, invariably we're going to want to remake Godfather 2, right? Where Michael becomes <laughs> the central yeah, character and one of the central motives, spoilers to a movie that's 40 years old, he kills Fredo. <laughs> because he finds out that Fredo has betrayed yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think that spoiler window has long since Which expired. leads to the classic line, I knew it was you, Fredo, you broke my heart. He you brings him in, kisses him, and then about three scenes later, shoots him. Bam. Well, he doesn't. The dude he hires to kill him does. Yeah. So if we're setting this up, then you better be damn sure your Michael and your Fredo are good because they're going to do the second film. Because De Niro ain't making it out of film one. Mm-hmm. And neither's DiCaprio, who mm-hmm. dies midway through the film. Because Sonny doesn't make it. So if we do a second Godfather film which I would have ideas on to do differently than they did Godfather 2. Still, I would keep okay. I would keep the beats of one the same. So Sonny yes. is dead. He gets shot on the street, yep. on the highway. And then Vito dies towards the end because Michael has to ascend because it's Michael's story. Your Michael better be damn good. Yeah. And Fredo needs to be paired with him because... In two, I'm still making the beat of he's killing Fredo. Here's what I would do in two, by the way, if I'm remaking two. Sure. I cut out the young Corleone stuff. Okay. And I'm just sticking to Michael because there's no way, there is no way Yeah. I'm recasting young Vito Corleone. I'm not doing this, we're recasting Vito Corleone again. It's, it's complicated enough that I'm bringing in De Niro to play Brando. Did you now, also consider Alec Baldwin at some point? We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to recast young Vito, who was Robert De Niro. There is no Robert De Niro to his Brando. There's no, yeah, you're right. There's no young De Niro, De Niro does Niro not here. have a young 
Although that's not entirely true. I just had an idea. Okay. Bradley Cooper. Oh. I lied. I'm remaking Godfather 2. <laughs> Bradley Cooper is young Vito. We just decided here and now. Indiscriminate person God. who plays Michael is Michael. That's good. They were father and son in Silver Linings Playbook. It was fairly convincing. That's good. I like that. You I know, have when an we were eye for about, casting. We were talking about Bradley Cooper earlier. I thought, like, is there some way we can work him into The Godfather? You just nailed it. I wanted him to be Tom Hayden at one point, the Duval lawyer. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind on that. Can Matthew McConaughey be that no, guy? No, Matthew McConaughey is not. Look, okay. So, folks, you can see we've put some talk into this. Sean has brought up Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to break a wanted by none rule. I love McConaughey. There is no role for Matthew McConaughey and in the I, I, I admit, I agree with this. There's no role for McConaughey in this movie. I'm just I'm I just am not casting you. an act. No one in Godfather is getting cast if they are from west of the, Missis- from west of the Mississippi. Mm. It's not happening. The only exception is DiCaprio, and it's because he's a movie star. Let me... Let me throw a couple of ideas out there for Fredo. Does anybody know where DiCaprio is actually from? DiCaprio? Is he from California? I can find out. We, I don't care. I don't know. Here's the thing. I just bro- And I know what you're saying. I just broke my own rule with DiCaprio. Folks, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a movie star. Yep. I'm casting him in The Godfather. I don't care that he's Italian. I don't care that where he's from. He's, he's DiCaprio. He has no discernible accent that's going to throw the film off. Mm. I love McConaughey, but he's Texas. Yeah. That bad boy is live and in color Texas all the time. <laughs> he has no place in an Italian New York gangster drama. All right, stop banging on the table. Jesus. And I'm saying this, by the way, as an Italian-American. <laughs> I don't think it's objectionable for me to want to find Italian-Americans. You're probably going to hate my Fredo suggestions, but I'm going to throw them out at you anyway. Um, and they might both be too old for you, which Go is ahead. whatever. Uh, I'll wait till you finish drinking that water. Quentin Tarantino. As Fredo? Yeah. He's too old. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I knew it. I knew yeah, he was going to be too old. old for you. The other one I thought was more convincing would be um, Elias Codius. Codius. He's too old. Again, I thought maybe too old. but 20 God, years ago, yeah. Like, damn, that would have been that 20 years been ago, yeah. Yeah. I think, again, I think you have to find Michael and Fredo unknown yeah, from the so. New York. If you're gonna, if you have to, If you're going to do it uh, age appropriately... They're New Probably. York film, they're New York stage actors who have never done movies before or have limited film experience who can come in together, who have a reasonable camaraderie and friendship because in the second movie, I'm breaking that camaraderie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yes. So Alec, but look, it's one of those things where when you're coming up with casting, you always want to come up with options. So when you think of people who have the age, the structure, like the physical size, the presence, and the acting chops to play Vito Corleone, taking De Niro out of the equation for a minute, and keeping Al out of the equation because it, this is not an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> I'm not putting Michael Corleone in his 70s in the remake of The Godfather. And I'm saying that because Al would say no to it in five minutes, by the way. Pacino wouldn't do it. So taking De Niro out of the equation, who could do the Vito Corleone thing? I don't think Alec Baldwin is out of the question. 
He's from the same acting tree as Pacino, De Niro, and Brando. They're all actor studio actors from New York City. But Baldwin himself is from New York. He's not Italian. He's Irish. But in his lifetime, he's never counted an Italian before. He's convincing enough. Baldwin makes all kinds of sense if De Niro is not there. De Niro would be my first choice. But here's the thing, (laughs) right? The The movie The Untouchables. They wanted De Niro to play Al Capone from the time that movie got created. They could not get De Niro to play Al Capone. So they went elsewhere. They hired Bob Hoskins, if you can believe that or not. The guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Eddie, Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And eventually what ended up happening was De Niro agreed to it. So they paid Bob Hoskins to never be Al Capone. So you've got to come up with a backup plan because De Niro's not going to come to this willingly. I don't care how good the script is. I don't care, I don't care how winning... Sean and I are. <laughs> you're going to have to drag De Niro into this movie. If you're yeah. lucky. If he doesn't laugh you out of the room. One. Two. If he doesn't threaten your life. He's not coming to this film willingly. He just isn't. DiCaprio. I think if you meet his fee and the script is good enough, probably. The studio certainly wouldn't stand in your way for DiCaprio. And no. I think him right. as the James Conn Sonny role makes all sense in the world. I don't need DiCaprio for three movies. One, I I need DiCaprio to get me to where he dies in the first film. And I need him to get me to make the first film. That's what I need DiCaprio for. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know, has DiCaprio ever died mid, midway through a film? No. Probably so not. this would be something yeah. interesting too. Probably not. I'm killing DiCaprio in the middle of the film. <laughs> Which I assure you, the studio is going to say, we need to rethink our options on. <laughs> yeah. I assure you, I will not. No, yeah, he, you know what, DiCaprio's good enough that he, he deserves to die in the middle of a movie. Yes. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the acting challenges, right? Yes. Uh, so why, yeah, why take that away from him just because he's, he's Leonardo DiCaprio? Let him, let him die in the middle of the flick. You know, there is one other Sonny Corleone suggestion. What's that? I just thought of. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. He gets the movie made. Here's the thing. Wahlberg's a big enough name and star that the movie gets made. Or it helps get the movie made. Because yeah. he's a big name. And he fits, I mean, he's not Italian, he's Irish from Boston, but he fits my west, east of the Mississippi rule. <laughs> and no discernible southern accent. He could convincingly play an Italian. And he's got the temperament for Sonny Corleone. Agreed. The hair trigger temper. How do you feel about... Like, and I, I'm just going to break it to you. Alec Baldwin is in this movie. Whether he's Vito Corleone or not. You're fine. I can think of two or... Th- yeah. I, you're familiar with the term the five families of New York City? Yeah. Okay. Well, if he ain't Vito, he's Don Barzini. Yeah. He's Philip Tatalia. He's somebody. How he's you, having a... He could be Mo Green. Okay. The casino guy who gets shot in the eye. That's a great Alec Baldwin role. That I'm a work. genius at casting. That could work. I'm a fucking genius at casting. Mo Gre- Alec Baldwin as Mo Green would be something to see. You don't push me out. I push you out. That's Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I'm a genius at this. I'm so good at this. Now I sound like Trump. I'm so good at this. <laughs> Nobody has ever been better <laughs> than me. Nobody's better at casting. Uh, do you have a place in this movie for like Ray Liotta? 
from the, from Goodfellas. I'm just. I mean, I'm not trying to remake Goodfellas no. now, but no, no. What would Ray Liotta do here? I mean, he's your. He fits your east of the Mississippi rule. He's from New York, New Jersey he's area. Too, no, it's too. Let's pretend De Niro has agreed to this film. That is all okay. the mob irony, wink, wink to other movies I want. Okay. If you put Ray Liotta in this movie, <laughs> he was, look, Liotta was in, if The Godfather isn't the greatest mafia movie of all time, Goodfellas is. Right. All right. So it's, that's how I feel about Pacino. He's not in this movie either. It's too wink, wink. It's wink, wink enough that De Niro would be playing Vito Corleone again. I think that yeah, as a, from it's a fan standpoint, that's the satisfying cast right I, there. And I'm, I'm cu- yeah. here's the following people I'm cutting out: Steve Van Zant, okay, Michael Imperioli, anybody who was on The Sopranos is out of this movie. I'm so, I can't. Okay, no, if Gandolfini right. was alive, I wouldn't be talking about Gandolfini for Vito Corleone either. Yeah, you're right. You can't. He was the most fair. iconic mob boss other than Vito Corleone in the history of the world. You want me to say to Tony Soprano, play Vito Corleone? You're crazy. He just said no to me in a heartbeat when he was alive. Yeah, I mean, at some point you're just playing the same thing, right? It's, I mean, in a per, in a universe, sure. Who wouldn't want Jimmy to have been? Of course. But it, no way. It's too wink, wink. It's again, he, it can't. Th- th- again, they're never going to do this. They're, no. They're Fuck never going to no. remake I this I hope movie. they don't. Never. I mean, we were talking about this. That's yesterday. a perfect. I the first one is a perfect film. You can't touch that. I see them redoing Scarface at some point. Uh, yeah, they'll remake. We were talking the, about Pacino, but they'll remake the shit they can remake. They've. This is the fifth attempt at the Star Is Born. Yeah. <laughs> They've done this since 1930. They've done this a bunch of times. They've done Scarface a few times. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not redoing the, Godfather. This shit comes back all the time. You know, they'll re. We'll be on the 87th Batman. In our lifetime, Sean and I are going to have 30 Batmans. Yeah, right. We're going to have nine James Bonds. You know, there's just, there's stuff you can touch and stuff you can't. It's fun to do this like Sean and I are doing it. But, oh God, please, Paramount, don't remake The Godfather. Good Lord. What a terrible idea. How do you touch perfection? Like, how do you remake perfection? That's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's one of my five greatest movies of all time. How do you even touch that movie again? I don't know. I like that you said we're going to have 87 Batmans because I'm thinking to myself, and there's still only going to be one true Batman in Kevin Conroy. Well, there's in animated films, yeah, he's the only one. But in live action, we're on what? Well, yeah, I don't... Adam West, yep. Michael Keaton, yep. Kilmer, Clooney, Clooney, Bale, and Affleck. What is that, six? Yeah. There's going to be another one. I, I, is Affleck making not even, it to this movie? Not I, even counting the kid from, from Gotham as Bruce Wayne. I don't count that kid, so please stop. <laughs> and we don't even know if Affleck is going to be in the movie. They're making a Batman movie solo. Kind of sounds like no. Matt Reeves, who directed a couple of the Planet of the Apes films. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Affleck's making it to that film. So we could be I recasting Batman again three years after they did it again. Like... And, you know, we we talked last week about James Bond, Daniel Craig. There's only one Daniel Craig movie left. I don't think he's coming back for more. Because if he did, he would have made that decision before now. Yeah. If all the stories were true about how much money they were talking about for another three movies, like 200 million, you know, like 40 million a movie. Like, he'd have taken that deal by now if he really wanted to. Yeah. So I feel like the next movie they make with him is it. So we'll, we'll be casting James Bond again. 
conceivably after they make Indiana Jones 5, my assumption is Disney will want to make more films like it. Yeah. So we're probably recasting Indiana Jones. Probably, yeah. We're recasting Magnum P.I. in a couple weeks. The new guy is going to be Magnum P.I. Nobody thought anybody could do Tom Selleck. They're going to try. Here we are. It seems like they're putting a lot behind that show. I think it'll it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. It's the guy who does MacGyver in Hawaii Five-0. It'll be fine. That... This is what I would say about New Magnum, which I'm very excited for. I I am all for structured universes, so this hits me exactly where I live. <laughs> How you could set a show in Hawaii on CBS and not acknowledge the existence of the 5-0 task force is ludicrous. So I appreciate that they're going to do that too. But Garrett's a Navy SEAL, the lead character from 5-0, and Magnum is a Navy SEAL. In my head, that was a crossover, and sure enough, they admitted in a couple. They admitted last week, yes, we want a five-zero crossover with Magnum, and we want McGarrett and Magnum together, because they've done crossovers with five-zero before, and McGarrett hasn't been in them. They specifically said we're putting McGarrett in the crossover. Again, to me, that makes all the sense in the yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be, and it opens it up for. A year or two from now, they decided to do another crossover. Bring MacGyver in. They'll just, yeah, they, exactly. All three. The guy, Why not? MacGyver's buddy, Jack Dalton, was an, an army ranger. So, who knows McGarrett? Like, this, it's a, it's a, it's a universe where everybody knows each other. It's a TV universe where TV everybody knows TV universes are weird. Kind of, kind of weird and popular right now. But it's hilarious. You have like, the, the CW shows. Oh, uh, the, the, the DC shows? The Arrowverse. Yeah. But you also have like the Chicago PD uh, fire. Those that guy's, shows. Dick Wolf is just man. He is like Dick Wolf. Stop. No. I, like I just. He's just a machine. Like he's just show. Yeah, show, but he couldn't get show, Chicago law show, off the ground. Show. I know, but it's just it's a mach- it's a factory. It's a machine. Those crossovers are fucking huge. You have got to give him credit for Law and Order. Like what he did for, with Law and Order. Just think about. Just think about Law and Order for a second. That show was on for almost 20 years. Yeah. The cast changed almost all the time. And it just, the concept marched it on. The concept was bigger than an actor. In this day and age. That's great. Where the Big Bang Theory is making $5 million an episode. All due respect to the Big Bang Theory. The concept was just bigger than anybody. It was bigger than Jerry Orbach. It was bigger than Sam Waters. It just, the Colossus just marched on for year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And it's special victims unit is still on. Still going, yeah. With uh, Mariska Hargitay. God bless her. God bless them. That's incredible. Like, that's it just. Really is. I wonder what that man's net worth is. Dick Wolf? I yeah. don't know. He tried Dragnet. Do you remember when he tried Dragnet? Oh, God. He tried to reboot Dragnet with Ed O'Neill. As Joe Friday. Ed O'Neill. Yeah, it didn't work. Oh, that's unfortunate. It was something to see, though. It was really, after watching him as Al Bundy for all those years, to then see him in the serious, like, police cop role was, for the first couple episodes, it was a little like, why is Al Bundy arresting people? But he wasn't that bad. And then, of course, he became the governor of Pennsylvania on the West Wing, which is even funnier. Yeah. Who becomes the vice president at the end. He becomes Jimmy Smith's vice president. Dick Wolf is worth, uh, would you like to take a guess? $50 million? No. Lower or higher? Higher. $300 million. Closer. $350 million. God bless him. 
That's incredible. Those well, that syndication man. Those shows live on. Yeah. Ask Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The man who doesn't have to work another day. In Ask his life. Chuck Lorre. Yeah. Right. Two and a half men. Big Bang. Mom. All those shows he's going to sell in syndication. Fuck. I want to be Chuck Lorre when I grow up. I don't respect him at all. I think his shows are half-assed. But like, <laughs> these things go. I mean, Two and a Half Men. We talked about this. Two and a Half Men was on for eleven years. Two with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Well, they have a soundstage named after him at Warner Brothers because they went that long. There's a show that wasn't bigger than any one actor because when Ashton Kutcher men? took over, no. that show went downhill. Two and a Half Men was built around John Cryer and Charlie Sheen. Yep. Charlie Sheen screwed it up. I can't. God. Say it any other way. Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen screwed it up. He was one of the highest paid actors on television. He was making ungodly money to do that show, and he screwed it up. Shame on him. And yeah. he took people's job. This is what pisses me off about this stuff. <laughs> there yeah, are people who work on that show who are nine to five Joes whose lives get ruined because he couldn't get his shit together. Yeah. Someone's got to set up all that junk. Someone's got to write those scripts, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about carpenters. Yeah, I hear you. And grips and and nine to five working people. Yeah. And he put them out of work. I have a hard time with that. You have been fired up today. I have a hard time. I'm sorry. I have a hard time with that. <laughs> Your poor table. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. I, I, it's, it's, it's just to be, a, to, to be selfish. Yeah. For no reason than to be selfish. Here's well, the difference. Charlie Sheen screwed up Two and a Half Men. Yes. All right. James Gandolfini held out on The Sopranos because he wanted more money. Because if you can believe this, Gandolfini was making like $75,000 at the start. Nobody on The Sopranos crew, when that show got shut down, nobody turned on Gandolfini. No one. And when Gandolfini came back, he went to every crew member and cast member and apologized. And... I've also heard a story. He helped pay some bills for crew members oh, that's that were affected. That's a number one. Like when you look at a TV show on on sheets, they always have a number one. That's the lead actor. So like Gandolfini would have been the one on The Sopranos. Steve Carell was the one on The Office. So Gandolfini rightly holds out for more money because he was making less than Jerry Orbach was, <laughs> which is insane. When you think of how big The Sopranos was. Mm -hmm. And he was winning Emmys and people's... I mean, he was rolling in it. And he rightfully so said, I'm worth more than this. And he was. No crew member held it against him or turned on him. And none of the cast did. They all supported him. Because they knew a rising tide lifted all boats. Sure. If he got more money, so would they. Yeah. When Carell was on The Office universally respected to the point where when he left, nobody else took the number one on the sheet. The, the sheet started at number two <laughs> wow. because they respected Carell so much. That's how you treat people. That's how you lead in that setting. That's how you want your lead to behave, to do what Charlie Sheen did was selfish, poor and stupid, self-destructive to say the least, but it screwed over the people under him who survival is based on that show going 22 episodes for X number of years. Yeah. Yeah. They get work on another show, but it's not instant. Right. And those shows have people working for them. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a domino thing. It was a selfish prick move to do. Yeah. 
and nobody missed him when he was gone. <laughs> Not a single person was like, oh yeah, man, well, no Charlie. I think we need to get to... Let's get to viewer mail. Get to some mail. Viewer mail. Listener mail. Listener mail. It's the Letterman thing of viewer mail. <laughs> letters. We get letters. Da-da-da. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Wanted Letter. by nuns. Fan mail. Very nice. I don't know. We're opening the wanted by nun email. I'm actually going to start this with a text message from my uh, my younger brother. <laughs> okay. Um, because he saw some photos of us on our Instagram. Oh, God. At wanted by nun pod. And... <laughs> He said, the first thing he said was, uh, Jeff is nothing what I thought he'd look like. For I some reason. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. <laughs> for some reason, I pictured him sort of like Steve-O. Oh, from uh, Jackass? <laughs> yes. Is he saying I'm better looking? I don't know. That's all, he's, that's all he gave. That's all he said. Well, let me put it this way to Sean Junger, brother. <laughs> if you're saying, I thought he looked like Steve-O and he looks like he looks and he's a better looking guy. <laughs> I'll take that compliment. If Steve you're saying Steve's older than you, I if think. you're saying he looks like I thought he looked like Steve-O, and wow, he looks like that. I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? That's uh, funny. Uh, and, and then he said, to my detriment, "How are you gonna hurt me like that and say Aquaman ain't cool? Dude could kill Superman." Which is one of those. It's one of those debates. Who would win in a fight, Superman or Aquaman? I, I, yeah, I don't know. He's not, I, I, he's never been cool. Never. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree I've with said the, it before. I don't dis. <laughs> my problem on that episode was not that I disagreed with you. Mm-hmm. It was that I was so uh, taken with your notes. <laughs> Fish exclamation point. Do you think, uh, Aquaman has the hype has sort of died down a little bit? There isn't hype. No, I think because the hype hasn't started yet. I don't know. I've heard because when the when that trailer hit, I think there was a lot of hype about it. Yeah. And now that I'm now I'm sort of reading some reviews that are just or articles yeah, that it. are just saying like the test screenings were. It ma- doesn't have to be good. Like things like That's that. That's not true. So like, look, is this movie going to be good or not? Well, let's talk about this for a minute. It doesn't have to be good. Is not true. It does have to be good. No, it does. They certainly want it to be, right? It does. At some point. This is I, I don't want to get into a long DC thing because I want to read the, I want to get the other listeners. Mm-hmm. Look, this is what I'd say about DC, right? They made Wonder Woman, which was a very good movie. Before that and after that, they've made Flotsam and Jetsam. Man of Steel made a lot of money, but nobody I know besides me and you who saw it like it. My mother called it "quote unquote" noise. Wow. <laughs> All right. Okay. Batman Superman is the most polarizing movie of the last five years at this fandom level. People love it. People hate it. My wife despises it and would prefer it never existed. You and I think differently. Yep. Suicide Squad was a mess. Wonder Woman was great. Justice League was a disappointment. These movies have to start being good. I'm, t- you know, the DC people can do all this they want. That it's that the system is, you know, they can do the Donald Trump. The system is rigged, and you know, Disney has paid off all the critics, and that's why Marvel movies are what they are. Get out of here! Uh, it's not true, folks. 
I watch Black Panther. I yeah. watch Avengers. Those movies are better than the DC movies. They just are. Sorry. I'm sorry. Objectively. Yeah. They are. They just are. So at some point, other than Wonder Woman, these movies have to be good. Yes. They just do. Aquaman has to be good. Shazam has to be good. This notion of it doesn't have to be good is a lie. It's the movie business. Without the business, there is no movie. If Warner Brothers decides this is not worth it for them anymore, they'll stop. They can't because it's a retreat. It, it is a head-to-head thing with Marvel. That's real. Like, the companies don't talk about it, and they try to make it as jovial as they can, but make no mistake, folks, of course it's real. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Disney is a lot bigger than Warner Brothers is. So, Warner Brothers needs wins at this level because they're behind. And it should offend everybody that, remember, Marvel started out as the independent... When they started out with the movies back in 2008, even before, when they were doing the run-up to Iron Man, Marvel was an independent company. DC, for the last 30 years, has been owned by Warner Brothers. Yes. So there is no excuse for DC to not be able to get their film company to make a movie. That should offend everyone. (laughs) Marvel, since 2009, has been owned by Disney. What is Warner Brothers' excuse? They've owned... DC since sometime in the 60s or 70s. That's your publishing arm and your film arm ought to be able to get together and make a movie. Anybody object to that? No. No. You're right. So the notion that this is all rigged for Marvel is bullshit. Get get a life. Get out of your parents' basement. <laughs> the movies weren't good. They haven't captured people. I talked about it. My dad loves superhero movies. He's seen every Avengers and every Captain America movie. Had no desire to see Batman, Superman. None. Zero. He saw The Dark Knight. He saw Dark Knight Rises. He saw Batman Begins. Loves the Christopher Reeve Superman. Had no desire to see Batman, Superman. Zero. They need my dad. They don't need you <laughs> and me. They need my dad. Right. Yeah. They have done nothing to capture my dad. Zero. And you know what his review of Batman Superman was? Just looks too dark. Why does it have to be so dark? That was my dad's review of Batman Begins. I like Batman Begins stuff. Which almost everybody It's a proper Batman enjoys. But he remembers Batman being different, you know. The sixties show. So yeah. I mean yeah. That's how he remembers Batman. So that was his when he saw Batman Begins yeah. and uh, the Dark Knight. It's like why does it have to be so dark? Make no mistake, Batman has to... I mean, the Batman. DC movies have to be good from here yeah. on out. They yep. have no room for error. Yep. All right. So we have a couple of emails here. Okay. Uh, and if you have an email, you can email us wantedbynunshow at gmail.com. Uh, there's a... We were sent a video, a clip from great friend of the show, Nicole. Oh, great friend of the show, Nicole. Uh, and it, the clip is... I'll post it on our Twitter or something. But you can find it on YouTube. Someone did a fan animated fan trailer for Avengers 4. Jesus. Okay. It's a terrible trailer. The animation is shoddy. However, the end of the trailer has a conglomerate of Marvel characters standing in as one to face against Thanos. Nicole's question was, who's the group at the end of the video? Uh, I've seen 
the the end of this video. Again, I'll post it. And you have everyone. You have everyone on here. You have Thor, Doctor Strange. You have Groot. You have Black Panther, Ghost Rider, Magneto. You have Deadpool wearing an, an Avengers T-shirt. You have uh, Daredevil, Punisher. Mm. Looks like Killmonger's in here. And at the very end, there's Captain America. There's Vision. There's Winter Soldier. There's Ant Man, Wasp. These aren't these are characters we know. Uh, there's Quicksilver. So I mean, yeah. that's who's at the end of this video. The idea, I guess, is that the various Marvel IPs come together for Avengers Four. Which, sorry, I don't, uh, I don't I'm going to tell you the the X Men stuff's not going to be there. It's not happening. Uh, yeah, Disney the doesn't here. own Fox. Wolverine, Storm. Yeah, Psy- yeah this. that deal is still being closed. They have. It, they have to go to Europe and to Asia. There's, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer. There's European regulators that need to be okay with this. There are Asian regulators that need to be okay with this. America has said okay, but Europe and Asia have to weigh in on this deal. Yeah. So it's still a ways away before the X-Men universe is controlled by Kevin Feige and Marvel. So. <laughs> and then a couple of other comments from Nicole. One is that... The Venom trailer looks insane. She's excited for Venom. I am also looking forward to Venom. Whatever, man. Nope. Uh, it's a personal thing. I just I read Spider Man in the eighties and nineties. I found Venom. I think Venom is a symptom of problems with comic books in the nineties. Uh, see, I enjoyed I enjoy Venom. I enjoy it's Carnage. A totally nineties great. Yeah, but that's the and then the other problem. Then again, is, I am a child of the nineties. But the other problem is, so Venom was good and it worked, and then they watered it down by adding thirty seven more like him. And then sure, but they did the same thing with Spider Man. They, they create thirty seven other Spider Men. I and uh, yes, and I and women. I'll be the first to and tell Spider you, Spider Pig. That's a mistake. <laughs> Spider Pig, Spider Pig. And they did such a good job with Venom. Not unlike this is where life and pro wrestling meet. Mm. He became so over, they had no choice but to make him a good guy. He's Yeah, that's the thing, right? He's the anti-hero, but he's... he's they did the same face. thing with the Punisher. The Punisher was supposed to be this badass assassin, and he got so over, they had to make him a good guy. Because the public responded to it. Okay. And I have yeah. no problem with an anti-hero, because Wolverine is an anti-hero. An anti-hero done properly. I will just tell you that I just Venom in the Spider-Man f- villain, I, Venom. I don't Venom didn't work for me. It yeah. just didn't. What I'll say is, as a fan of Venom, uh, it has Todd McFarlane's approval, and if, I love Todd. If it has so Todd fine. McFarlane's approval, it's fine with me. He did a great video on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, he did a live video McFarlane? on Facebook. No. McFarlane, um, where he took a, a still image from I the Venom Todd. trailer, and he tweaked Venom's appearance. Yeah. To his liking, because, you know, he's Todd McFarlane. Yeah. God knows Todd's got opinions. So he tweaked it a little bit. It made it look a little bit more closer to the comic book. Still very, very good. Yeah. But, you know, his overall impression of the look of Venom, great. Look, I want Venom to do well. I want comic book movies to do well. So yeah. good for them. It's just not, it's not for me. That's I'm fair. not interested. Last comment from Nicole. But good for you, Nicole. I'm glad you're interested. And I'm not saying that to be patronizing. It's like, I'm looking forward to if it. that's like, if that's your wheelhouse, go for it. Go yeah. see it. Make it happen. I'm looking forward to it. Sony has a bunch of... Uh, I, I, they've named their... They're trying to create their own Spider-Man universe. Yeah, but God. I can't remember the their name. Uni- their universe name is something ridiculous. It's like, stupid. Like 
the characters of the Marvel Universe Sony Pictures division, yeah. some nonsense. Uh, last comment from Nicole. New England Calzone doesn't fucking exist. Is this Agreed. So, yeah, that's Agreed. fair. I have yet to find uh, any good Calzones, really. 100% agree. So, there's that. Next email here, and I think we'll, we could spend a little bit of time on this, is from great friend of the show, Carrie. Uh, great friend of the show, Carrie. This is Hello, going, Carrie. This is going back to episode three. Okay. The Saturday Night Live episode. It was SNL. Loved your epic discussion of SNL. Personally preferred it in the 90s. John Lovett's Get to Know Me stuck with several of us through middle and high school. Yes. But Steve Martin, while I loathe the movie The Jerk, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with the lovable John Candy. Yes. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with yeah. Michael Caine. Oh, Kane. I forgot about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's and a great movie. Are two of my favorite also Steve a remake. Martin flicks. Yep. Uh, the characters are just so condescending and obnoxious. Yep. Slapstick just doesn't play nowadays, says the old lady. Cheers. Carrie. The old lady. That's funny. First of all, not old, but well, she's not. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> no such uh, thing. No, that's not true. And uh, second of all, so. What do you think about slapstick? Do you think slapstick plays these days? I never thought of Steve Martin as slapstick. Oh, uh, okay. Do I think it plays? N- well, now, probably not. Mm. But uh, I think there's a place for it. Yeah. Look, comedy is nothing if not not subjective. What makes me laugh is not necessarily what's going to make everybody else laugh. Sure. Which is why a comedian who can make me laugh and 30 dissimilar people laugh is a great comedian. The, the comedians among us that we know to be great, they're great because they can do that. Right? Um, I think everybody has is going to come to comedy on their own thing. And if Steve Martin, and I'm just using Steve as an example because Carrie did. Yeah, sure. If St- Steve Martin doesn't work for everybody, I get it. I totally get it. Um, you know, Kevin Hart doesn't necessarily work for me. He doesn't work for me either. You know what? Right? But. He just doesn't. Do I think Kevin Hart is funny? Sure. Probably the funniest man on the planet these days. And I also have the the 50, mil, the 50 million Elvis fans. Kevin Hart sells out arenas. So he must be doing something. You don't get to that level. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you know, great friend of the show and hero and comedy legend of the show, Jerry Seinfeld, will tell you the marketplace bears this stuff out. If you're a shitty comedian, eventually you're going to have no business. So yes, whether I think Kevin Hart is funny or not is irrelevant. Doesn't matter. The marketplace says Kevin Hart is funny. Clearly. Or people think Kevin Hart is funny because thousands of people go to Kevin Hart shows. He's not playing ha-has at Atlantic City anymore. He's at the <laughs> garden, I think. Next I think he's month com- or something. Yeah, yeah, he's coming to the garden. It's the, it's the Dane Cook theory. Like, did I love Dane Cook? No, but clearly people did because Dane Cook was selling out Madison Square Garden. Not everybody can sell out Madison Square Garden. Right. So I get it. Yeah. I think comedy is ultimately subjective. So Steve Martin works for some, doesn't work for others. Does slapstick work now? Like, it depends on what you mean. Mm. Uh, Is Jim Carrey slapstick? I would say yeah. I think if Jim Carrey did a funny movie now, people would see it. Yeah. And I think part of it is he's been gone so long 
right. from funny that instantly it would be, oh my God, Jim Carrey's back. I think on network television, slapstick comedy is probably dead. Although there is some of it that's incorporated. If you're talking about physical comedy, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think... Physical comedy has kind of gone backwards, which I think is unfortunate. Because ha- yeah, you have you have a lot of intellectual comedians. I now. think it's unfortunate because, and again, I I don't want to overuse this, and I, people are going to complain. <laughs> but I always thought what made Seinfeld interesting, as much as Jerry was funny and the bits and the stand-up was funny, as his companions, he had probably one of the great female comedians of all time. I shouldn't say probably. In my opinion, she's one of the she's a great. All time, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That's a funny woman. And Veep and everything she does bears me out. Absolutely. Jason Alexander is an excellent actor, and he is a well-trained stage actor. But you know, the thing that made Seinfeld popular for a while was Kramer. Yeah. And I know we're, you know, Michael Richards, it is what it is. I don't want to get into his personal life. His work on that show was phenomenal. He is one of the great physical comedians of all time. Yeah. TV physical comedians of all time. I mean, you just, his physical presence on Seinfeld. The pop that he got every time he walked into that apartment. Come on. He just walked into. Oh, Did you ever stumbled, watch 30 Rock? Stumbled into the apartment, I should say. Did you ever watch 30 Rock? Uh, here and there. Remember Alec Baldwin's thing about you have to cook with three kinds of heat. He could, Remember at the beginning, his character got to where he got a GE because he invented the trivection oven. Uh, it cooks with three kinds of heat, right? Yeah. And that's what he wanted to bring to Tina Fey's fake show. That's why he hired Tracy Morgan. You need a third heat. So Jerry was the pure comedian. Julia was also the kind of the pure comedic character. She was on Saturday Night Live. She did improv. Jason was an actor who could be funny. And then you had the physical comedy. So he had three kinds of heat. I think one of the things that could happen now on TV is... If physical comedy were done and done well, I think it could add to, it adds to shows. Yeah, okay. It really does. It doesn't detract, it adds. Too much of it, like anything, gets old. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know what bores me in comedy right now? The Office. Not the TV show. The American or the British. Not Ricky Gervais, not Steve Carell. The format bores me because everybody does it now. Mm-hmm. The single camera interview thing. The, really, people call it The Office. It's really Christopher Guest. Yeah. The the sort of confessional kind I of I love style. Chris Guest movies. Spinal Tap, Mighty Wind, Best in Show. I love those movies. That format, though, is old. Because I, I, for me, it's done. We've done this now. What's that show? Uh, Modern, Modern Family. Modern Family does it. Like, yep. I can't with this anymore. Yeah, I'm over I that. think everything runs in cycles. I don't know what's next, but everything runs in cycles. Uh, the SNL piece of her email is very interesting. Mm. I think people respond. I think when people think of Saturday Night Live, they think of what Saturday Night Live was when they were in high school. Yeah, for sure. Their formative years. Like high school, it. college years. So for Carrie, and I... I Carrie, I'm so sorry. Please don't kill me. <laughs> My sense is probably 
it was the late Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Adam Sandler run. Because Carrie is a few years older than me. I'm sorry, Carrie. Carrie, I love you. You know that. So I don't think that's inaccurate. I think that's how everybody views Saturday Night Live. That's how I view it. Yeah. I was in, that's fair. I was in late high school college for Will Ferrell. That's my favorite Saturday Night Live era. So it's it's not I don't I don't disagree with what she said at all. I, I, I think that's probably true. I think if you polled people and asked, Do you like Saturday Night Live? Yes. Oh what what when did you like it? Oh, in, in this time frame. I guarantee you it's high school or college. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I guarantee you. Yeah, of course. Because that's you know, like Carrie said there about get to know me was her it it was what we did in high school. Cause that's the Saturday night live thing. You watch it on Saturday or Sunday and then you go to school on Monday and you yeah. do it right with your friends. You do it to make each other laugh, get to know me or, mm-hmm. you know, swing or whatever we're doing at the moment, you know, sing the, the red hooded sweatshirt song like Sandler, whatever. I, I get that. That's exactly what Saturday night live is right there. And I'll be the first to tell you what we ended up talking about on that show was mostly what I remember <laughs> because that's that's how Saturday Night Live works. It's been around so long and it has such a long history that and people kind of drop in and out of it that it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I bet your Saturday Night Live cast is when you were in high school or college. Well, I definitely wasn't watching as much as in college. Uh, I wasn't really doing a whole lot of pop culture or anything in college. I was just well, yeah, you practicing my instrument, man. Just playing my bass. Slapping the bass. Damn it, you did it before me. Yeah. Uh, Slapping that bass. <laughs> You're so basic. But yeah, I th- I don't know. I think my favorite... I mean, I was, I was born in 1990. So like mm-hmm. a lot of what I associate with happened in the 90s even though mm-hmm. i was not you know i didn't reach 10 years old until the year 2000 yeah. so i i am in the millennial range right yep so clearly however i associate a lot of myself with the 90s and my favorite snl is sandler farley and farley spade, spade mm-hmm. etc yeah that would absolutely. be my least favorite that's fair i thought it was the era that that is a cautionary tale on Saturday Night Live of what happens when people individually are funny, but as a group don't work. You know what I think it is, though? I think because you're That's right. Me. I, no, I think you're, you're totally right. I love right Sandler. Because I love so all of clear. them individually. And I think that might be why I work. enjoy that SNL period. Uh, because Adam Sandler was one of my favorite. I mean, those movies when I was growing up yeah. were my favorites. Oh, I love Billy Madison to uh, this Billy day. Billy Madison and Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah, hundred percent. Those are some of my favorite favorite Agreed. movies. I and love Happy Gilmore. To this day, Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite movies. To uh, watch. I liked Black Sheep. I love Tommy Boy. <laughs> Tommy Boy is great. So, I, I, I love Tommy Boy. Maybe that's why I I enjoy that era so much for SNL. I yeah, I mean, for me, probably at my heart of hearts, it's the Will Ferrell year, the the Will Ferrell chunk. I don't disagree but with that. I watch Saturday, but to be honest, I think the best Saturday Night Live cast I ever saw was Carvey, Myers, Hartman, Jan Hooks, mm. Kevin Nealon. Uh, that era was really, really good. Yeah. I, I, and yeah. Um, 
and just did a lot. The I think the Sandler Farley Spade era ran into a couple problems. The people before them were so good that when they left, it left a hole and people just weren't ready to people couldn't get past that Dana wasn't there anymore or Mike or Phil right. or Kevin. That's the first problem. The second problem is when people think about Saturday Night Live, they think of like one of the things that happened because they had so many talented people in that Dana Carvey year was they could do a lot of those like congressional hearing sketches where like Al Franken, which is just funny to think about now, uh, Al Franken could play yeah. a senator and Carvey and all these people. You couldn't do that with the Farley Spade years. They were so apolitical that you just couldn't, you couldn't do anything with it. And it's not, it's not their fault. It's just they, they couldn't do that type of, it's not the type of comedy that either is good at. Farley Spade, none of them are good at that stuff. They, they just aren't. Sandler's not a political comedian at all. I've seen a lot of Adam Sandler. There's no politics there. I know what his politics are. They might surprise you, but I know what his <laughs> politics are. No, I mean, those are, I mean, these people are, they're, t they're run on SNL and those, some of those movies that they made. It's apolitical. I mean, that's, that's, I, maybe that's the slapstick that she's is, thinking of. I would call that frat boy. Frat boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, there's no insult to that. It was what it was. It's just, it didn't work. That had a run and it, it's run was what it was. Yeah. I don't think it's a surprise that the next cast came along and it looked more like Saturday Night Live because it was more of an ensemble, even though Farrell was the star, clearly. Yeah. Um, Will had no ego, so he would play a waiter. He could, he could do he anything. He could do anything. And a lot of people on that show outside of him shined or in sketches with him did. And they could do the political thing. So it looked more like Saturday Night Live than maybe the Farley Spade Sandler years. And all due respect to those guys, I find all three guys funny. I laughed still. And still, the funny part to me is always the irony is a TV show that had Chris Rock, David Spade, Adam Sandler, and Chris Farley, a network television exec said this wasn't funny to me. Yeah, right. And Norm Macdonald. Kind of like, ironic, don't you think? That that didn't work is hilarious, but it didn't. The That's ratings fair. went down. The yeah. ratings dropped when those people I mentioned left, left. The ratings went down. Wayne's World was huge. I don't think people understand how big Wayne's World was. Uh, I don't know. I think people... I think, I think people, people of a certain it. age do, but I think the young people out there don't understand how big Wayne's World was. Mm. Okay. Culturally, how big Wayne's World was. It's an all-time SNL sketch. Yeah, well, it's become one of, it's a one hall of the all-time funniest movies, too. It's Hall of Fame. It's great. It just is. What Dana and Mike did was, I mean, that's a phenomenon. Yeah, it, 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 the movie was huge, like all of it. Absolutely. It, it's That set the bar, for better or worse, as to we're going to make SNL movies off of characters. Yeah. They haven't done it in a while. And I think that's also a testament to where Saturday Night Live is. And it's one of the problems I have with SNL right now. You Would you prefer that they did? Spin-off flicks? They don't have anything to spin off, and that's, that's the, the problem. problem. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the problems, is they don't have anything to spin off. Yeah. I don't know. What, I don't even know where to start. Like, what do you... Nobody's do you doing anything. a movie of? David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> they did it. 
they made the animated special. Well, was even that was a short, wasn't it? Well, it was yeah, and but animated, it, and it's Tom Hanks. It's not even a. It's not even a. And he, and also Tom Hanks, a cast member generated. So item. yeah, I mean, what it, what characters do you even? There's make a nothing movie out right of? now. They they're devoid of characters right now. All their characters are politicians. That's the problem. <laughs> and we're back. It's. Well, this is the problem is that politics have crawled into everything we do. Yeah, I know. And okay, I guess, but it would be nice if maybe there were something that was a unifying factor instead of continuing to separate us. That's the shame of the football thing to me. Football should be something that brings everybody together because we all on Sundays love football. That football isn't fun anymore. It's not. I don't know if people have noticed. It's not. And I'm sorry to say this, and I'm. Uh, it's just a lot of people outside of football have made it not fun. Now, some people inside football have made it not fun, and they're dumb. And when the golden goose dies, <laughs> it's their fault because of what they've done. But one person in particular has certainly made football less fun. And he knows he is. And he did it on purpose. And he did it to score cheap points. Except Sundays at 1 or 4 should be as about as much togetherness as what's on TV. But it's not even that anymore. Can't even do that anymore without it turning into a, si- a, a, a cheap WWE sideshow. <laughs> Which is what politics has become. It's two people cutting a promo on each other. There's no learning. There's no knowledge. There's no ideas exchanged. It's just you're a jabroni and do you smell what the rock is cooking in political form? It doesn't work for me. But that's a problem for Saturday Night Live. All of their characters are Trump cabinet members or Trump himself. So there's no movie to there's be made. There's no Wayne Campbell. There's no John Lovitz. Get to know me. Right. There's no Barbara. There's no uh, Linda Richmond. There's no. There's none of that. There is a giant void on that show of characters who show up not every week, but if they're if their formula is three on one off, meaning they're on three weeks and they have a week break, that character shows up twice. That doesn't happen. They tried with MacGruber, it didn't work. Even though I love the MacGruber movie. That's right. I forgot you love that movie. I do. <laughs> I. If people would again drop the uh, sanctimony and drop the bullshit and just come to it with an open mind and come to it for what it is, which is a spoof of 1980s action movies, they'd like it. It's not art, folks. It's not Dante's Inferno. It's not Shakespeare. It's a, it's a knockoff of a 1980, of a, by the way, a chintzy 1980s action adventure show. That's what MacGyver is. It's yeah, a 1980s, absolutely. it's a made in the 1980s action adventure show. It's not, it's not fucking Proust. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> You're right. And, and I, I say this about all this stuff. Marvel isn't Proust either. Neither's DC, neither Star Wars. This stuff isn't fucking Shakespeare. It's entertainment. It's down the road entertainment. It's supposed to entertain you. Don't outsmart it. 
It's like the it, the director for Mission Impossible. Please don't try to outsmart Mission Impossible. Just don't overthink Mission Impossible. Don't fucking overthink it. It's a fucking action movie. It's all there on the screen. But what does the motorcycle chase oh, mean? Oh, fucking God. On Twitter, the stuff he was getting asked. Twitter's the worst. I just want to be like, are you people watching the movie? Like, visually, with your eyes. Are you watching the movie? How do you not know who the bad guy is? It's, it's pretty simple. They tell you right out who it is. It's not a mystery. I, I don't, just some of the stuff I don't get. And uh, yeah, I like the MacGruber movie. It was funny. You know why? It made me laugh. That's all that matters. After that, it's bullshit. Yeah, fair enough. If it doesn't make you laugh, that's fine. But how do you know if you've never watched it? If you say the sketch didn't work for you, fair enough. Then yeah, you're not going to like the movie. But if you found the sketch amusing and you haven't watched the movie just because a bunch of people said the movie didn't work, Meh. eh, I don't have time for that, man. You should find things out for yourself. I agree. Critics don't stop me. Okay? Yeah, people put too much weight behind they inform, like They inform me. Yeah. They, they give me information. But if I want to see Mission Impossible, I'm going to see Mission Impossible. Critic be damned. <laughs> if I want to see the, A Star is Born, I'm going to. If I want to see MacGruber, I want to. I will. The critic means nothing to me. I think people put way too much stock into critics. Agreed. Way too much. For good and for bad. I think people spend way too much time talking about whether Marvel movies are critically acclaimed or not. Folks, I don't give a shit if the critics like superhero movies. Actually, I'd prefer they don't. Because <laughs> let's be honest, they don't. I'll be honest with you. That's Movie fair. critics they don't. Shouldn't. They see that they see superhero movies as the death of their business. Because <laughs> they're critic proof. This is what people don't understand. These movies are critic proof. People are going to see these movies regardless of what people say. That is an anathema to the critic's business. A critic wants to shut a movie down. I'm sorry, they do. They want to be the guy that the movie bombs so bad because of their review. Because it helps their business. But the business has eroded under their feet because nobody reads the fucking newspaper anymore. No, again, it's all Rotten Tomatoes now, which is just an you, aggregate. you and I, you know? So. <laughs> no, yeah, but Rotten Tomatoes is an, is, Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate of all of their reviews. Yes. But people are reading them less because newspapers are fucking dead. Because in 2018, chopping down trees to provide my information <laughs> is the stupidest it's, thing on the planet. Yeah. It should be delivered electronically. That the newspapers couldn't figure out their business model. Sorry. Oops. Join the music business. They couldn't figure it out either. Still can't. Does Hence it matter? No business. Does it matter or does it help or hurt that critic reviews and user or viewer reviews are still used to sell this stuff i think it's dumb like you see any trailer you look at it's like you know certified fresh on rotten tomatoes i don't care at no point have i ever said oh this is rotten tomatoes who cares does like does that go to the movie does like that, here's uh, the thing people know. go to the movie <laughs> i'm serious go to the movie whatever it is whatever the movie is jackass Whatever it is, go. See the movie. Enjoy it with people who are of like mind. That's all that matters. After that, the other stuff is bullshit. It doesn't matter to you and me if a critic likes the movie. We no. have no financial investment in this at right. all. Yeah. 
we paid 11 bucks at our local Cineplex to go to the movie. That's it. That's about the extent of the financial investment. Yeah. My my economic well-being does not live or die whether Tom Cruise movie <laughs> sells. I don't work for Warner Brothers, Paramount, Disney, Fox, none of it. I'm just a fan. It matters not to me if the movie does well. I'm excited if the movie does well because that means they'll make more movies. Right. But at no point has a critic stopped me. I will also argue at no point has a critic made me either. Oh, you've never read a review and said, like, I got to see that. Nope. No, because, yeah, again, it's what you sell me visually, I think. I have not seen 12 Years a Slave. Okay. Do you plan on it? I don't know. <laughs> I have not seen Moonlight. Oh, yeah, I have that. I haven't seen it. I'm going to be really embarrassing. I never saw Slumdog Millionaire. That one I actually did see in theaters. I haven't seen La La Land. Now, La La Land I might see because I like Ryan Gosling. Oh, I've watched that movie by accident. How do you watch that by accident? It just it came on after something. She didn't know what it was. Okay. Uh, and then she, oh, fair enough. she met up with me in the kitchen halfway through and said, La La Land, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, we talk about this movie a lot. I saw uh, Blade Runner 2049 opening weekend. Now, some critics yeah. liked Blade Runner, the newer Blade Runner. Some liked it, some didn't. I wanted to see it because yeah. I mean you were going to see it regardless. I wanted to see it because I actually liked the first movie. Sure, and, and Harrison Ford. I like Harrison Ford. Right. There was no critic that was going to prevent me from seeing that movie. I don't care how bad it was reviewed. None. It just wasn't. The Marvel movies are critic proof to me. I'm going to see them. I'll even go one better. I saw Batman Superman, knowing what the review was. I saw Suicide Squad knowing what the review was. Didn't matter. I wanted to see those movies. Right. I'm going to see Aquaman in December. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to see Wonder Woman next year. I'm going to see Star Wars next year. So what you're telling me is it doesn't it, matter. It, it doesn't matter if Aquaman is good or not? No, it does matter. For different I'm reasons. I'm going to see it regardless of what a critic says because I'm going to make my mind up myself. Gotcha. No one is going to make my mind up for me. I am going to do it for me. That's how this is supposed to work. Yeah, well, you know, you would think. Right? I will tell you, though, if you're talking from a business aspect, it does it matter if Aquaman is good? Yes, yeah. because DC has to make good movies. Yeah. They just have to. Otherwise, how are they going to drive people to the subscription service next week? If the movies keep stinking, the comic books are only a small part of what a comic book company does anymore. Yes. The audience just isn't there. How I know this is because X-Men 1 sold something like 8 million copies. I don't think Marvel sells 8 million books combined. I have no idea. I, I, I have no I'm idea. being serious. I don't know what their and I don't know what their monthly buy rate looks like for every book. Uh, but I mean, I don't think 8 million people buy comic books. Yeah, I don't even read as many comic books as I used to, but I will say that comics are where all the interesting stuff happens because they have a little bit more playroom. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's not their, like their whole business model is not comic books. No, I, I would. It's the other stuff because that's where the money is. It's merchandising is what it is. Why would you continue to like, 
the audience has shown itself not to be there. Right. Why would you continue to like, why would that be your sole business? Like that's insane. That's insanity. The audience evaporated because the because what happened in the nineties is they misread the audience. They didn't have one. Mm. They thought they did, but they didn't. I'll let you folks, I'll let you know a little secret. Comic books boomed in the nineties because people thought it was a get rich quick scheme. They thought they were going to buy all these comics and they were going to be worth a ton of money and they were going to sell them and they could put their kid through college and buy a, a summer house. <laughs> Turns out. Because people who had, you know, Action Comics 1 from 1938 did. Yeah. Well, here's the difference. There are only 20 Action Comic 1s left on the planet. And I think I'm being generous with that number. Yeah, you might be right. Here's what I know about things. The less there are of them, the more valuable they become. Usually, yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. Well, there are only but so many Spider-Man 1s and DC uh, Detective Comics 27s and Action 1s and Fantastic Four number 1s and X-Men 1s left in, from the 1960s left in existence because of fire, loss, blah, 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 blah. And especially the Golden Age comics from the 30s and 40s because of the paper drive during world war ii sacrifice paper for the war effort well guess what the first thing to go to the war effort was comic books because parents think comic books are dumb always have always will so when the when the war effort people came around looking for paper to get donated comics in the basement were the first things to go one the people who collected them were overseas and couldn't stop their parents and two it was the war effort so that's why there are so few of those Golden Age comics around. Because a lot of them got sacrificed. A lot of them got thrown out because nobody thought they were going to be worth anything. Because they were just comic books. Right. And unless it's a first appearance of someone, right. it's not going to be worth anything anyway. But and in the late 80s... Any first appearance from the 90s has to endure for like 40 years But in the late 80s and the early 90s, anything. people were hearing stories about Spider-Man 1 being sold at auction for $400,000. Yeah. So... People immediately went, oh, there's a market for these, these crazy comic books. And what happened was, because people were buying them at a huge rate, the companies fed into it. They made X-Men 1 with seven covers. Yeah, that's another thing these days, and variant covers. The chrome painting and 3D pop-outs and all these crazy covers. And it was jacking up the price of the comic book. Yeah, comics and are like five bucks now. People who wanted to read them for the joy of reading them were getting pushed out because the collectors were hoarding the market. They were buying all the issue ones. Well, that's great, but I want to read it. I can't read it without <laughs> issue one. <laughs> and all respect to McFarlane and Rob Liefeld, the image guys fed right into it too. Sure. And they were making printings that were just absurd. You know, Spawn 1 was on like its fifth printing. But the fifth printing isn't worth what the first printing was. Right, right. that's the other thing. So when everybody in the mid-90s and the late-90s tried to sell their books, they were worthless. I know because I was one of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I decided at the towards the end of the 90s, early 2000s, to sell my comic book collection. I got nothing in return. I got store credit. Yeah. In fact, are you familiar with Webhead and Wakefield Center? No. Okay. There's a comic book store in Wakefield Center, Webhead. It's one of the bigger comic book stores around. 
And actually, the guy who owns it now used to be in Stoneham, where I used to go. I got nothing. I had decent stuff in there, but I got nothing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have Spider-Man 1, so let's not be crazy. From 1960. I had the Todd McFarlane one that was worthless. Because he was a wash in Spider-Man 1s. He was a wash in Spawn 1s. In Youngblood 1s. Those comics were worthless. Because there were so many of them. And it killed the business. It killed the comic book business. Marvel went bankrupt. Right, yeah, we talked about that. Marvel went bankrupt. DC was fine because they were owned by a bigger company. And they were making movies. Like, even through those mid-90s, Batman was being made. The animated series was on. Like, they were struggling like everybody else, but they had other things to prop up their business. That's why Marvel, right. that's why Marvel sold those characters to movie companies. They needed the money to survive. That's why they sold Hulk, Spider-Man, and X-Men off. And and the Fantastic Four and Daredevil and all those other characters they sold off because they needed the money. <laughs> the other irony, and we've talked about this too, is before Iron Man came out, the movie, Iron Man, the book, was going to be canceled. Right. So was Captain America. So was the Avengers because nobody was buying them because nobody gave a crap. They gave a crap about the Hulk, the X-Men, and, and Spider-Man. That's where the core business was going to go. So, like, I forget how we got here, but, like, this is the comic book business. Like, it almost died because they got greedy. And they got greedy because they didn't understand what their audience was. They froze out people who actually wanted to read for the enjoyment of reading. Who liked the story. I'm serious. They sacrificed us for people to come in who didn't love the business who didn't love the characters, who had no connection to anything. They were just doing it to get rich. And the business got fucked because of it. And on some level, I'm okay with it because they deserved it. Fair enough. Just look at what happened. There used to be comic book stores everywhere. There aren't anymore. Newbury Comics survives, but comics are way in the back of the store. Yeah, because they sell all the other shit. By the way, with the music, way in the back of the store. With the DVDs. Way in the back of the store. Yeah. The front of the store is tchotchkes and t-shirt. Absolutely. That's not to say comics aren't healthy. They are. There's a healthy business. For what it is, comics is a healthy business. But they are not selling 8 million books a month. No. There is no title in any company that's selling 8 million books a month. There just isn't. No, there's more money in the merchandise of those More people have seen the movies than read the books. Yeah. And I would argue if somebody who saw the movies wanted to jump into the books now, they couldn't. It would be difficult and confusing. It's the equivalent of a Martian wanting to speak Venetian. Yeah, it would be, it would be way too confusing. Because again, that's where all the interesting shit know. happens. They wouldn't know. <laughs> they couldn't. Comics are not built to jump in anymore. No, it's, it's too hard. There's too many story arcs. There's too many Although I think Marvel tries. And I think Marvel tries because Joe Quesada talks all the time. When he sat down with Stan Lee, when Joe became editor-in-chief at Marvel, Stan Lee said to him, you need to bring back the recap at the, at the top of the first page. Of, oh, of, yeah. You have to set the tone for people of, this is where they are, this is what happened previously. You've gotten, you've gotten fired up again, now we're banging the table. Because... <laughs> Because Stan's philosophy was, you don't know that this might be somebody's first book. Sure. They don't know what you did last month. You need to tell them what they did, what you did last month. 
Yeah. So they can I mean, come if it's in. relevant, yeah, you're going to have to. So they can come in. You have to set the scene for people. And I'm not sure comics do a very good job of that anymore. I don't think so. It's also a paper business, and, and paper is dead. Well, there's that. They've got to make the transition to electronic. But I'll tell you, I've read electronic comics. I know you have. Yeah. I like them. Sure. I don't feel the same way. There's mm-hmm. something about the physical act of turning the page. Yeah. That you can't replicate on the iPad. Yeah, I'm a big physical media guy in general. I mean... I Marvel, still own Blu-rays. Marvel did this really... I own a lot of Blu-rays. In fact, I do too. My wife is here. I, I tend not to buy a movie unless I get the physical copy also. Same here. Which is something that Marvel Comics did for a while. You buy the physical comic and you get a code for a digital redemption of that yep. comic, which was fantastic for like, me. Like the, uh, the Movies Anywhere code for... Yeah, kind of like you would yep. get a digital copy of a movie, yep. which was great because then I could get my physical copy that I could keep on my shelf and yep. look at and adore. Yep. And I could get the copy that I can take anywhere with me and read, you know, on the bus or on the train or yep. wherever in the park. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, so I nope. don't, I don't know. And you know, like I, I'm, I've read, I'm fine with digital comics. It's actually better than I thought it would be. And I think the comic readers are, are getting Comic better. readers are pretty good. The, the the I know you're going to make fun of me. The DC Universe reader that drops next week, when they showed it on TV, it looked pretty sweet. Like reading the book on TV, impressive. Yeah. But to me, there's still something about the physical act of turning pages. Yeah, I don't like of to letting buy... my brain and eyes follow the page. I mean, I subscribe to. That's how I loved it. That's how I learned streaming to love services, it. but I don't buy albums digitally. Neither do I. I buy. Physical records, or I haven't bought a CD in a long time. Can but you still buy CDs? Believe it or not, yeah. Good Lord. I wonder if CDs are ever going to make the sort of comeback that vinyl did. It's hard to come back if you've never gone away. Well, that's the thing. Well, their vinyl outsells CD now. Yeah, which is hilarious. So uh, it will go away. And when it does, I wonder if it'll ever make a resurgence. Just a tangential thought I had. But, but for, yeah, yeah, I buy physical media and I buy, I don't buy a movie. I try not to buy a movie digitally unless it's like free and they let me have it for free. Uh, but I, I, I would rather buy the physical copy and get the digital version with it. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, I love comics. I, I would break my heart if comics went away because I think comics are great, obviously. But, sure. you know, I look back at that 90s period with some anger because I was one of those people they froze out. And all that happened, and what I was left with was the industry was cratered and it's you. It's clear it's never going to come back. Like it, they it alienated can't. so many people that, and so many people froze out that like you can't, and so many people lost businesses because comic book shops died and like, it's just, it's fucking sad what happened. But again, they got greedy. But now their IP is so valuable. Like the irony of now, the characters have never been more valuable, more popular, more mainstream, or more well-known, but nobody wants to read. Yeah, no that kid buying the Spider-Man keychain isn't buying a Spider-Man comic book. No, my nephew, my nephew is four, and he loves Spider-Man. How? I don't know, but he loves Spider-Man. And he has Spider-Man this, Spider-Man that. He's never had a comic book in his hand, to my knowledge. 
I mean, I'm sure it's from TV. I'm sure there's a there's Spider-Man cartoons. TV show. There's cartoons and, and stuff. My, my sister-in-law and stuff, you know, they watch the Marvel movies. So that's probably how. But the kid loves Spider-Man. Never seen him with a comic book in his hand. Never. Yeah, and to be fair, I'm wearing a, a Wasp shirt right now from the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I have never read an Ant-Man comic book. Neither have I, but I've <laughs> at least seen life. the movie. Where'd you get that t-shirt? Uh, this was one of those... This is one of those subscription services oh, box, that, yeah. that I, I don't get paid to advertise for. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've never read a Nightman or the Wasp or anything. And here I am wearing an, a t-shirt. <laughs> it's incredible. That's hilarious. So what do you think? You want to give them a social media and we'll say goodnight? Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. So... Uh, did you like the show? Did you like it? Connect with us. Uh, send us an email, like our friends from earlier, uh, wantedbynonshow at gmail.com, or we're on social media. We're on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram. Wanted by none pod. We are out there. Find us. Connect us. We'd love to hear from great friends of the show. Absolutely. And again, you can support us. Please support us. By clicking we're that broke. link in the description of the show. I could really, I mean... Granted, I don't expect to get a lot from you guys. Maybe like a cup of coffee every once in a while. Could you buy me <laughs> but, a value meal at McDonald's? But uh, the, sh- the re- equipment that we use to record this thing is kind of old. Yeah. You know what I learned the other day? No. Um, you know how the laptop just stopped working on us one day during our episode? Yep. Yeah. What I learned last night was that my trackpad no longer clicks physically you know that you can tap to click yeah but you can't click to click oh dear so that's the thing that's i'm dealing with now oh goody which makes like dragging the cursor very difficult yeah <laughs> so basically so. what we're saying folks is we could use an equipment upgrade we could use some we could use some new stuff yeah i we mean could. uh i want to give you the best possible show experiences i can yes and, and you know any com- support is greatly appreciated yeah so follow that link if you could just you know Maybe we'll set up some sort of merch at some point or something that you guys we'll, can buy. We'll make it or... worth your while somehow. Sean and I could come to your house. I mean, maybe. If you live close enough. Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, this isn't crazy. We're not flying across the country. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you live in New Hampshire, we'll come to your house. Yeah, that's close enough. All right, any final thoughts? No, I just, I hope yeah. everybody's had a, a wonderful summer. As we uh, head into the fall, uh, we get some exciting fall things ahead that yes. we'll be talking about here. We'll probably talk about Aquaman again. Um, Undoubtedly, yeah. We'll be talking about the DC Universe subscription service. I have graciously volunteered <laughs> to be the wanted by none guinea pig for the DC Universe, which drops next Saturday. Holy crap. Which is Batman Day. So a happy early Batman day. That is super soon. That drops next week. I'm very excited. So uh, in a couple weeks, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about DC again. And uh, we'll talk to you all again soon right here on Wanted by None. Have a great day, everybody. So long. So long.